And we are going to go to Genesis chapter 41. I'm going to finish it up today. And then at the very end of the service, I'm going to give you seven questions for homework that you're going to have to figure out for Genesis chapter um, 42. I think if there's a pivotal time in, in Joseph's life, and he went through many different things, but as you look at Genesis chapter 41, 42, and 43, I think you see the true character of Joseph coming out, and um, I just want you to get that. Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to read, um, we're going to read where he gets in verse, verse number 46, where it tells how many years he was there. Um, it says in, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 46, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the, all the food of the seven years, which were laid in the food, food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Here's a man that did his job. He did it well. And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for all the things that you've done. I thank you for the, the blessings we have. And as we study Joseph, may we just apply some things in our life that he did for us that we could, we could see and apply them in our lives. Lord, I thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you for his forgiveness. Thank you for his contentment. And Lord, as we look at all these different aspects of his life, may we understand that we're supposed to be like him. Lord, give us the strength we need for this week. Guide us in ways only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As, as we, before we get into this, I've got a prayer letter from Mike and Joe Brown. One of our missionaries are in the back row. So um, he, he just has an urgent prayer request. The urgent prayer request is for um, a meeting that he has with, with a man that could really establish a lot of things and help him with, with the ministry. He's got so many. The first policy change that it was um, legal pressure of non-Christian inmate equal rights group. Um, there was a second policy colored tracks. He can't use colored tracks in the, um, in the prison ministry because they can do things with the color print and put drugs underneath them. And you just, you just listen to this and you go, wow, that's amazing. You can't have a stamp. When you get a letter, they're going to take the stamp off because inmates were putting drugs under those also. So just pray for him. He said he's got eight to 10 large boxes of beautiful colored tracks, but he can't give them out. And he's going to hope, hopefully find out what they can do with some of these things. And it's just, it's just terrible when you we got everything to do and then you can't use the things that were given to you. So really pray for him. Let's look at Genesis chapter 41. And this is the story of Joseph, a man God tested. If there's anybody in the Old Testament God tested, I think Joseph over a period of many years was tested. And every test, he really came up the right way. And so we're going to break down the last three sections of, of Genesis chapter 41. Then we're going to look a little bit, really, I'm going to do a really quick review of what happens in Genesis chapter 42. Then you have seven questions you have to answer. And I want to see if you can get some of these as we go to it. Joseph was a man God tested. In Genesis 41 and 42, there, it, it breaks it down in the chapter 41 in, in the last section of three categories. The first one is the seven good years. Now remember, he has told Pharaoh what the dream was, and now he's got those seven good years to prepare for those seven bad years. And again, Pharaoh doesn't know if those seven bad years are going to come. I wonder if there's some doubt in his mind when it ha happens, but he sees these seven good years, and it really says a lot in that, and we'll look at that in just a second. But then he breaks it down into Joseph's sons were born. He had two sons that was born under captivity. 
And then the last one was this, the seven bad years begin in verses 53 through 57. So we're going to try to get through Genesis chapter 46 through 57. And then we're going to try to go really quick through Genesis chapter 42. And we'll go over 42 next week. But um, as I've said before, Genesis chapter 41, 42 and 43 really established in detail who Joseph was. It really talks about a lot of detailed planning and and so often when we read the story, especially in Genesis chapter 42, there's some questions that come up. And you've got to think in the aspect of how Joseph thinks and then think in the aspect of how the brothers think and how his dad thinks. And it's interesting when you put it in that, in that perspective. I'm trying to get you to think on this. Genesis chapter 41, verses 46 through 49, the seven good years. Let's break this down into this. Number one, he was a young man. We just read that he was 30 years old. When was he sold into captivity? How old was he? He was 17. So now in the, in the aspect of these 13 years, he was sold into slavery, went to Potiphar's, Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife made the false accusations. He's put in prison. Then he comes out, he, he tells the dream two years later. Um, he gets out of prison and now he's basically in charge of Egypt under Pharaoh. So it says, work by himself. Go to this verse, verse, it says, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh the king, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh trusted him so much that he just said, you go do your, your thing that you're supposed to do. And, I and remember, he didn't know much about him. Remember some of the things we talked about? They, he knew his, where he was from. He knew he was a Hebrew. He knew, he knew what? He knew that he was in prison. There wasn't much he knew about him, but now he just sets him off and says, okay, you've got these seven years to fortify this and make it where it needs to be. Go on. And he worked by himself. That's an amazing statement when you think about it. How many of you would have a, a job, and just a simple job that we might have, we might give it to somebody and say, okay, just go on your way and get it done. Do we understand the magnitude of what Joseph had to do? Well, he's going to explain in these next couple of verses. And, so, and then he worked with all of Egypt. Have you ever looked and seen how big Egypt was? It, it's a re really big area, massive land. And he has to go, and it says in this verse that he travels all over Egypt to set up all these aspects of what he needs to do. And, and go back to that second point, Pharaoh is letting him do it. At never in one point do you see Pharaoh saying, hey, I've got a suggestion. He might have had suggestions to him. Because Pharaoh knew the land better than, than, than um, Joseph. But he just lets him go and then he's taken off. Can you imagine as a job, you're sent into a job and you really don't know how you're going to do it. You've never done it before. And then the guy says, okay, you, I'm in charge, but I'm get, putting you in charge underneath me. Just go out and do whatever you need to do. Do you understand the big aspect of that? I was, I was working at UPS and they sent me to a different building, different location. You go to different locations, if you work with, <coughs> with um, anything being shipped, you have to know the zip codes. You have to know where the areas are. And it went from one area where I knew everything about Owensboro, Kentucky, then all of a sudden they set me in Madisonville, which is a smaller hub, but I had no idea where these places were. And then I'm in charge of everybody sending these packages out. I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? I don't know. And it gets overwhelmed. But his job was much bigger than my little job was. Because with his job, he was going to save the world, but he worked all, with all of Egypt. It says in verse number um, 46, and went throughout all of the land of Egypt. It was very important that he had to get everybody on, 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 on board with him. 
because he had to save all, this, all these ish, issues with it. So then it goes into verse number 46 and 47. It says, and God was fulfilling Pharaoh's dream. Look at verse number 46, some, 47. Sometimes we read this and we don't realize what he's saying, but it says, and in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. I'm sure Pharaoh would sit back and go, hey, we're getting more food than we've ever gotten before. And this is exactly what Joseph had said. He was fulfilling Pharaoh's dream in verse number 47. Verse number 48 it says, The major work was done in verse number 48, and he gathered up all the foods of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up in the food of the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid up he laid he up in the same. Now, I don't know if you ever studied logistics, but his logistic plan was incredible. I don't know how many big cities there were in Egypt, and there were some small cities, but everywhere they went, they had the same plan. And they were to take certain, certain, um, certain products and bring them to them, and he was going to keep them. He was going to store them. And he, and he probably was a micromanager a little bit because he wanted to figure out what was going on because we'll find out later that he was trying, started to try to count the corn. And then he said, listen, I can't count this corn anymore. But in this, his major work is done. We read one little verse and sometimes we forget the magnitude of this verse. It's like when we read the story of, of Noah and we say he built an ark. How many of you have been to the ark up in, up in Kentucky? Then you realize the magnitude of what, what, what Noah had to do. In this, I would say this was a bigger job than what Noah had to do. Because he had all these people that had to do this, and it said that he went to every city, and every city had to do the same, and he had to go back and check on them. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have the internet. What did, what did you do this day? What, what was your numbers this day? He had to go, and he had to go physically and see all these places. And for seven years, he's running around getting all this done. And in verse number 48... 49, it says this, how much corn? It says in verse number 49, and Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea. That will come back into play and that gathering of that corn will implement his first dream to come, through, come true. You realize that? When Joseph's Brothers come back a second time. Now we're talking Genesis chapter 43. Did they bring something back to the king? They sure did. They brought fruit. They brought other things, honey. They brought all these things. They had those things, but they didn't have the basic. And the basic was that corn. So this verse number 49 is going to bring his brothers to bow down to him. Because he was going to save all this corn. And I know you know all this, but I, I want you to put in perspective of the magnitude of what Joseph had to do. God will always give you a job that you can fulfill. He will. He's not going to give you a job that's too big for you. It's not going to happen. If he feels like you can handle it, you can handle it. And he won't put anything on you you can't handle. Have you ever been in a situation where I just don't know if I can do this? Well, somehow along the line, he, in verse number 49, he starts counting it and it gets so, it's so big that he can't do it. And so he just quits counting it, but he was getting the job done and all these cities were, were storing this up. And I wonder if any, any of these cities really balked at what he said. No, you need to keep it, you need to keep it, you need to keep it. And, and when everything's going well, everything's okay, right? 
And they're thinking seven years, everything's going okay, going okay. Why do we need to keep this? Because he was planning for the future. This was God's plan. And it was God's plan in verse number 49 to get all that corn so that those brothers had to come back and get and, and see him. Hmm. So how much corn did he get? I don't know. He got a lot. Because this was going to save not only Egypt, and that was the plan to begin with, but it ended up saving all the other countries also. Because it said it was, the famine was everywhere. Now you have, right in the middle of this story, it's interesting what he does, what, what the story does. It talks about the seven good years, and later on it's going to talk about the seven bad years, right? But intermingled in there, you see a little insight of who Joseph was. Because if you go to verse number um, 50 through 52, you're going to see that he has some, he has some children. Joseph's sons were born. And we talked a little bit about this. We're going to break it down a little bit more. Um, verse number 50, it just, ba- uh-oh, what'd I do? Did I mess up? Verse number 50, if you can get to that. Um, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. So bef- he has these two children, and the first one is Manasseh. And as he, I hope he can get this, because I got all my notes on this. All right, here we go. Here comes, jo- um, here comes Joseph, no, Daniel. Um, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And I, and, I, and I want you to really see this, because do you realize this? There, there's the two kids, he starts out with their definition of who they are with two words. What were they? The same two words. What are they? Look at, look at the verse 51 and verse 52 and look at the definition of what it was. What's the first two words of his sons? For God. That's interesting. Here he's in the midst of, a, of, of working to death with what he's doing. And he has the, he, when he names these kids, it's all about what God's done. Um, so here, now it's going crazy. All right, here we go. Um, it says, for God hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That's an amazing statement. Manasseh means, for God hath made me forget all my toil. What's his toil? His toil is that he's, he's been, he was sold by his brothers, treated wrong with Potiphar, in jail too long, then all of a sudden he's in front of Pharaoh. His, his Manasseh, when it says he, forgot my, he, he hath made me forget all my toil, now, what we, what we forget to realize is Joseph doesn't know how this plan's going to end up, right? Did he not think when he was at Potiphar's house everything was going to be okay? Then all of a sudden he goes to jail and he rises up to the top in the jail system. He tells the story and, and he really begs them to tell Pharaoh where he's at. Because he was unjustly put in there. See, we don't know exactly the end result of what our life is, but in here, he is saying that God gave him a son that forgot all my toil. And maybe that son, when, it, when he'd see that son do something, it would spark an interest and say, okay, man, not everything is bad in my life. What you've got to remember about Joseph is he loved his father. He's 17 years old. He gets removed. Now watch. How old is he when he stands in front of Pharaoh? 30. 
Then, it's seven years of good. That's 37. It's two years later that the brothers came. And two more years later after that. So now he's 41 years old. He's been away from his father longer than he's been with his father. But he loved his father. And here, so you have when he's 41 years old, he's going through all these things before he sees his father. And he says in this one, it says, for, from Manasseh, for God hath made me forget all my toil, all the things that have been wrong. Isn't that what God's for? Isn't God there to forget everything that's been wrong? So some, sometimes we get on the negative, but you know, God's done so many positive things, right? Here he's in the midst of all this, and, and, and you know where Joseph's heart is when you read Hebrews chapter 11. Because out of all the things that he did, what was Hebrews chapter 11 about? This chapter of faith, and what does he say? There's only one thing written about Joseph. That they take his bones back to where he, where he needs to be buried. Because the toil to him was very strong. But he says he looks at this child, and every time he looks at this child, he forgets maybe some of this toil that he's done. And he sees how God has blessed him, even amidst the Egyptians. Then it says at the very end, it says, and all my father's house. I find it very interesting that it didn't say all, my, all about my father. Because his father wasn't the problem. His brothers were the problem. What other deaths has he, has he seen? Seen the death of his mother. His mother had passed away already. What was his youngest brother? What's his name? Benjamin. Remember when she has Benjamin? She passes away during the birth. So he's already seen her pass away. He's lost his mother. He doesn't know if his father is still alive. And for over 20 years, he's sitting there and he's seeing everything that he's, that's went wrong but somehow this child is named, and that name means something to him, and his name is Manasseh. Then you look, and it says, and all my father's house, but then you got Ephraim, and it says in verse number 52, Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful. Even amidst all these things, he was fruitful. I think there's one more line on here. In the land of my affliction. If that doesn't sum up who Joseph is, no verse does. Because he was fruitful, we're not just talking about children here, he was fruitful when he was at Potiphar's house, right? He was fruitful when he was at the, in the jail system. He was fruitful when he was a Pharaoh. And even amongst all of his afflictions, as it says, in the land of my affliction, it just, that even tells me, Bernard, when I look at this, that he looks out in the land and he sees, oh my word, everywhere I see, it's not where I want to be. But I get everything. I get all my fruit and labor. And everything he's doing, he doesn't realize, but he's doing for his father and his brothers. You know, I know that because in chapter 42, how many of you love to hear this? I told you so. Every, every couple in here is going, yeah, I hate to hear that from the other one. I told you so. You ever been there? Anybody ever told you? Have you ever been at a point where you want to say, I told you so? Russ, have you ever been there? Have you ever said it? No, you haven't said it. But, I, you know, there's times where it's like right on the tip of my tongue, and you don't really need to say it because they already know you're going to say it. But when he sees his brothers on two occasions, you know what he does? Wipes the tears from his eyes. When he could have killed them. 
But his dream wasn't about him killing his brothers. Watch this. His dream was about them bowing to him. And when they do it the first time in chapter 42, they don't even know who he is. They won't look at him in the face. And I love chapter 42 because he sits there and he talks to an interpreter and they start arguing amongst themselves. Reuben corrects them all, says, I told you not to do that. But you still did it. And it just shows that they're just eaten up with what they've done. And remember this, he, this is 17, someone math, you got 43 minus 17, how many years is that, 23? 26. 26 years, it's eating them up. I wonder how many times they had that conversation with their brothers before. When something would go bad, it's like, man, this is because of what we've done to our brother. This is because of what we've done to our brother. And he starts talking to the interpreter, and he doesn't, they don't even realize that he realized what he's saying. But in this it says, Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Can I tell you, wherever you're at, God can make you fruitful. He can. And the first part, you can forget your toil and all the things that's been, been, been in your past. You can still do something for God. You know what I realize about Joseph? He didn't have a chip on his shoulder. You ever met somebody with a chip on his shoulder? I'm going to date myself, but I'm going to see how many people remember this. Remember the old um, Conrad, I think his name was Conrad. He put a Duracell on his shoulder. You remember that? And he would dare people to knock it off. It's an old commercial. How many of you remember that? Am I the only one that remembers that? All right, me and Dorcas are the only two that remember that. But you know when you've got a chip on your shoulder, it will be knocked off. And what, what happens is bitterness comes in and everything will destroy you. But he can honestly say he was fruitful in the land of his affliction. And he claimed his affliction. Look at that verse. It says, in the land of what? My affliction. I mean, he, you say, what an affliction. He probably had one of the best houses in Egypt. He probably had servants coming from every different direction to serve him. But he still loved his dad. You know, when I, when I study these, these two names out, there's a couple things I think of. Number one, he's forgetting. you got to forget things that are in your past. You know why, why most people don't get anything done for the Lord? Because they can't forget their past, whether good or bad, right? Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. And you've heard me say this many times. It's not just the bad things you need to forget. It's the good things, too, because you've got to live in the here and now, not the past, we got to forget some things. Because if we don't forget, what happens? We have a hard time with this one. Forgiveness. Right? Do you ever have a problem forgetting? If you don't forget something, guess what? Every time you see that person with what they've done, you'll get them. And we love to say, I told you so. But with the first one, he forgot his, all my toil and he forgave even his own brothers. So, because when he sees them, you're going to see their, the, his attitude. On the bottom, he was fruitful. He kept doing what God wanted him to do. Kept doing what God wanted him to do. I think it was a glorious day, Bernard, when he got to bring um, Manasseh and Ephraim and say, "Here's your grandfather. This is the guy that I've been talking about my whole life. This is the man. I want you to meet him." 
in affliction. We can be fruitful in affliction. So now we're going to have the bad years come along, and let's, watch, let's look at the bad years. <laughs> How many of you ever had a bad moment or a bad month or a bad week or a bad year? You ever had that? There's been times when I, in ministry I said, what else could go wrong? And, and I'd have people say, don't say that, don't say that. Don't say that. It's like I'm jinxing what's going to happen, but it says the seven bad years begin, and this is truly when Pharaoh sees that Joseph has told him the truth. It'd be like some, Russ walking up to me and saying, what do you think? This is going to happen. It's going to happen in seven years. Russ going, okay, I believe you. Come back in, in 2026 and say, okay, it really happened. Because look what happens in verse number 53. It says in verse number 53, it says, In the seven years of plenteous that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And there is no doubt in my mind that everybody knew what was going on. They go out to their fields and their, their fields no longer or what they were before. They've got, they've got, they don't have the crops coming in. And now they're probably thinking, hey, this guy that was running around here, we didn't know really who he was, came off the scene out of, out of nowhere, and then he tells us to save all this, this food, and maybe he was right. Because don't kid yourself, when somebody does something right, everybody, there's a, there's a lot of critics out there. Because you're going to see it in this part of the story. Now you got in verse number 54, it's a dearth. Now watch the wording of this verse. It says, In the seven years of dearth be began to come, according as Joseph had said. <laughs> I love how God puts things in the Bible like that. Why is that so important to me? Here's why it's so important. He was interpreting a dream. It did not say because of the, the dream Pharaoh had. It said because as Joseph had said. God was honoring Joseph with that little statement in that verse. He said, it's not got anything to do with this dream, which it was the dream, but it was what Joseph said about the dream. Remember, no one else could interpret the dream. And so here it says, as Joseph has said, and then I think you keep reading, it says, all lands but bread in Egypt. Let's, let me show you what I mean by that. In verse 54, as you keep reading, it says, and all the dearth was in all lands, but in, the, in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So all the different lands didn't have any bread, but Egypt had it. That was a common staple. They needed that to survive. Remember when um, the Israelites, what did God feed them? Every morning they wake up when they're in the wilderness, what did they pick up? That was a form of bread, something that sustained life for them. So all the lands, but, but bread in Egypt. Now verse 55, Pharaoh's trust in Joseph. Don't you like what he does in this? In 55, it says, When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Joseph for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith do you do? He didn't say, Now listen, I'm the guy in charge here. I can take care of this. This is what we're going to do. He said, No, you go talk to Joseph. He's already planned for this. He's the man that God brought to us to save our country. He's the man that God brought to us to save the world. And so here you have the story of Pharaoh's trust in Joseph, and he doesn't try to supersede him. There are people that would try, try to do that. He didn't do that. In verse number 56, Joseph's business plan. In 56, you literally see Joseph making Egypt wealthy. 
When you think of Egyptians and you think of pharaohs, do you not think of wealth right off the bat? I do. I think of the black regalia and the gold popping with all the outfits that they have and the makeup on. You've seen them. And then you just, you almost see money dripping off of them. And here, his business plan takes takes effect. And this is interesting what he does. Because he's got this all this he's got this whole thing planned. And remember when he when he interpreted the dream, he said, "This is what you need. You need to find a man that can do this." And he did everything that he said. But look at this story. It says, "And all the families all over the face of the earth, and Joseph up, opened all the storehouses and to, sold unto the Egyptians." That's an interesting part to me. He's selling them some of these people. He's selling them their corn back. He's collected it all from them. He didn't grow all the corn. The people grew the corn. They bring the corn to him, and he holds it in a thing, and then when they run out of corn, he sells it back to him. What a great business plan. This is capitalism at its best. Not only does he sell it to them, look at the next part. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all countries came into Egypt. So his business plan was not just about Egypt. He makes, all the, he makes money from other countries. Huh. 57. All countries came to buy corn. They all needed it. And they would wait. See, we, we read the story, and, and we're going to get in 42 in just a second. But it was a big thing for the Israelites to come to Egypt and get this corn. They thought for sure they would be, what, put to death. Egyptians didn't like them. What's interesting about the whole thing is the Hebrew is in charge of all all the whole thing. Only God can do that. You talk about a miracle. I put a little Jewish boy up there and he he keeps all the money and he hoards all all the food and then he sells it back to him. He makes money off both sides of it. He sells it to other countries, and they're coming to buy corn from him. Now, you're going to have some homework in just a second. In just a second, I'm going to ask you seven questions. You need to write them down. Even if you're on vacation next week, you need to do this. Okay? All right. There's two people I was saying that to. Okay. All right. Here we go. Now let's break down chapter 42. Interesting chapter. If you want to read an interesting chapter, read 42 and 43. You see where Joseph comes on the scene, and he's doing all these different things, and his brothers are with him. We're going to break it down into, in, into the portions, okay? Verses 1 through 4, all brothers go except Benjamin. His dad says, okay, take everybody, but leave Benjamin back. Because he says, if I lost Benjamin, I would lose everything. And I think there's more even to Benjamin than just him being Joseph's true brother. I think Benjamin was a reflection of his, of his wife. And he didn't want to lose that last aspect of his wife. He loved her. So all the brothers go except Benjamin. In verse number 5 through 16, Joseph's brothers are in Egypt. Okay? They come to Egypt. We all know the story. That's when they, they bow to him and... He, he asks them a couple questions. He, he, he keeps going back to one word, and that's one of your questions in just a second. Um, and then in verse number 17 through 24, Simeon is taken for being spies. They, he, he picks up Simeon, one of his brothers. He's, he's actually left there while the other brothers leave. Then in verse number 25 through 28, there's money in all their bags. 
And you've got to read 43 and 44 to understand what Joseph says to them. Huh, there's money in their bags. And then verse number 29 through 34, Jacob is told the situation. I would love to be a fly on the wall on that one. Because I think that Joseph had wisdom beyond all expectation. Because if it was me, Brother Shoop, I would have probably told him, I'm your brother. But that's not what Joseph does. He sends them home. You know what I find out about Joseph in this chapter? Not only is he a forgiving person, but he's a very patient person. I, I'm thinking in his life, maybe, Brother Brown, that he's like, what's two more years? I don't know. What's two more years? And then verses um, 35 through 38, Jacob refuses Benjamin going. He refuses to let his, bro, his, his, his boy go. Now you'll get in the next chapter in 43 and he'll, he'll say, okay, you got to go. But the only reason he let his brother go, Benjamin go was because of dire needs. It was either let them go or let him die back with, with his dad. So here's your homework and here's your seven questions. And I want you to start thinking about what Joseph, I want you to put this on perspective. And we're going to have an open forum next week. I want to talk to you and see what you think about these. I'm interested to see what you think of these, these, this situation. Here's your homework. And this is small lettering, okay? So here, number one. How old was Benjamin? Because when I read this, it makes it seem like he's a young child. I think you'll find something very different with him. Not only how old was Benjamin, number two, how many times does spy enter the conversation? How many times does the word spy or spies come into this conversation? That's easy. You just got to count them as you go through in chapter 42. Number three, did Joseph change his mind in this story? You'll actually see him in chapter 42 tell them what he's going to do, and then over a period of a couple days, he changes his mind. There's one, one question here. I'm anxious to see how you answer this one. I think it's the next one. Okay, what information did Joseph find out about his family? He sat there and he let the brothers talk, and he asked them questions, and those questions came back. It was very important to him because he needed to find out information about his, his own family. The next one is the one that I really, the next one is the one I want you to look at. Um, number four is what information did Joseph find out about his family? Number five is why Simeon? Why Simeon? Why was Simeon kept back? Now I want you to do this. I want you to think in biblical times. Is he the one that should, should have stepped back? Why Simeon? Number six why was the money in the bags? I think there's a couple reasons why the money was in the bag. And I think some of us, and we can have different answers to these. I understand that. But why was the money in the bag? Why did he do that? What's interesting about this aspect of it is he wasn't the only one that knew that there was money in the bags. He told the person that was putting the corn in to put the money in the bag. So that, and 
This was not common practice. Why was the money put in the bags? Was it just because he loved his brothers? Hmm. And the last one is this. What was offered to Jacob for Benjamin? It's one of those verses, and you'll find it in this chapter, that you read, and I was totally shocked with what was offered. Totally shocked. There's not a man in this room that would offer what was offered to Jacob for Benjamin. Sometimes we don't understand why people do what they do. So you got seven questions. I'll read them again. How old was Benjamin? How many times has spy entered the conversation? Did Joseph change his mind? What information did Joseph find out about his family? Why Simeon? Why'd they have Simeon in this? What was the money in the bags? Why was the money there? And what was offered to Jacob for Benjamin? When you read that, what was offered by, to Jacob for Benjamin, totally shocks me. But people say and do things without even realizing it. And we read some of these verses and we flippantly go through these verses. We go, okay, but let's put it in perspective of what was really offered. It's an amazing story in Genesis chapter 42. I hope you start thinking like Joseph would think. I hope you start thinking like his brothers would think. And I hope you'd realize exactly what, what his dad was thinking. Because they're all different perspectives of this story. This is where the Bible becomes a living word. Because, tomorrow, because next week, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to ask you these seven questions. I have my personal opinion, you might have your personal opinion. And you know what? We're going to have different answers. Doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. But as we study this book of Joseph, why were these things written in, this, in, in Genesis chapter 42? for us to understand how we should act. Joseph, in Genesis 41, 42, and 43, is exactly how we're supposed to act. How many of you have problems with forgiveness? I do. How many of you have problems, now this one, everybody should raise their hand, with patience? Anybody have problems with patience? And I'm not talking about if you work at a doctor's office. I'm talking about the other type of patience, okay? I want to look over here. Do any of you guys have any problems with patience? Bobby, you better raise your hand. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Everybody has problems with patience. But you know what? Joseph, he was just willing to do what God wanted him to do all the way across the board. We serve a great God. And he, he tells us stories and he shows us stories in the Bible that we can apply in our lives and be different for it. Hope you look these seven questions up. I'm going to ask you next week what the questions, what the answers are. And it's going to be an interesting, interesting week next week.